Thank you so much for being here today. Um, wow. Just so thankful for the presence of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to say hello to all of you who are watching online on television. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. For those of you here in the room, would you please give our online television audience a big hand? One of the things we do each and every week is we pray for another local church. We believe the kingdom of God is so much bigger than just us gathered here in this place. And we're going to be expanding this uh, throughout uh, the fall and next year, praying for churches around the world and our mission partners. But today we're going to pray for Landmark Church of Christ and their minister, Buddy Bell. Wonderful man, wonderful church. Before we pray for them, I wanted to uh, make a, a couple of announcements. Number one, many of you know Jane Bridges, who has been my administrative assistant uh, since I arrived here and has served many other pastors uh, along the way. She's actually worked here at the church for 22 years. She is retired this week. I'm a little jealous because she's at the beach, but, uh, you know, I won't let that root of bitterness grow in me. But... Uh, Anyway, I'm so happy for her and for Gary and this new chapter in their lives. Uh, also, if you need to get in touch with me, all you have to do is see Terry Brown. Many of you know Terry Brown. Uh, she will be helping me out as we move forward. Uh, today we are in a sermon series that we have entitled In This House. Uh, I told you last week that one day Joshua stood before the people, and he said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the question is, what does that mean? What does that look like? I believe that there are five aspects of the Christian life that are absolutely essential, and that's what we're looking at in these five weeks. Last week, we talked about how that worship is our passion. This week, we're talking about how that community is our priority. Community is our priority. And so as we dive into that topic, would you bow with me and let us pray, uh, not only for Landmark, but also for us. Father, we come to you in this moment. We are so thankful. We are so thankful for your presence that is amongst us right now. And Lord, we're thankful for Landmark Church of Christ. We pray your blessings on them and their members. We pray for their leader, Buddy Bell. Would you just saturate his mind by the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you inspire him and the other leaders as they lead in these difficult days? And we just pray your blessings on them as a part of your body. And today as we come to talk about this topic of community, Lord, would you bind us together in a very special way, in a way that can only happen by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. Lord, we love you. We really do. And we thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All you had to do was one thing. Just one thing. He did not have to swing a sword. He did not have to carry a shield. He did not have to wear armor. He just had to do one thing. And that is walk up a hill with the staff of God in his hands and hold it in the air. That's all he had to do. Moses' job was not like the other warrior's job. We see this interesting story in Exodus 17. We pick it up in verse 8 here in just a moment. The warriors are going out to fight an army. Moses goes with Aaron and Hur up a mountain with the staff of God in his hands to intercede for the battle. And that was all he had to do. That was his role. That was his job. That was his task. The problem was he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And the truth is, neither can you. You cannot actually do 
what it is that God has called you to do. You cannot be all that God has called you to be. You cannot do it alone. Moses had a problem. He could not fulfill his role. The solution was that he needed some people around him. He needed a community around him. When you have people around you, people who are infused and empowered with the Holy Spirit around you, that creates a powerful, powerful community. And you see, when we're in community with one another, three important things happen. The first thing that happens is that we build each other up. Whenever I say build up, I want you to think of the word inspiration. Inspiration. We inspire one another. The word inspiration means to fill one another with the ability to do something. It literally means to breathe life into someone or something. And we do that for each other as we build each other up. We inspire one another. The second thing that we do for each other is we fire each other up. We fire up. And whenever you hear the phrase fire up, I want you to think of the word motivation. Motivation. We all need people in our life who can get our attention and they can push us and they can challenge us to take the next step or to step up in many ways. We need people in our life that will motivate us to follow, follow after God and the things of God. But not only do we build up, not only do we fire up, we also hold up. Whenever I say the word hold up or the phrase hold up, think of the word encouragement. The word encouragement means to give support or confidence or hope. It means to instill courage in another person. And we all need people in our life that will do that. We need people who will encourage us. We need to be encouragers of other people. And when we gather together in community, when we live in community with other people through Sunday school classes and small groups or even the larger community of the church, we do these three things for each other. And we need all three. Sometimes we say, well, I just want inspiration but not motivation and encouragement. No, you need all three. Some people say, well, I just want encouragement. I don't want anybody to motivate me. I don't want anybody to push me or challenge me. No, you need all three. We need inspiration, we need motivation, and we need encouragement. But if we're ever going to get those three things, we have to have a radical commitment to four things, four actions that we can engage in. These four actions are this. Number one, the first one is humility. And whenever I say the word humility, I want you to think of the phrase, I need them. I need them. We actually have to come to the place in life where we admit that we actually need other people in our life if we're going to be who God has called us to be and be who God has created us to be. And we have to be humble enough to admit that. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with each other. We say, oh, that sounds good. It says, but don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And not only that, don't think you know it all. So many times that's our problem. We think we know it all. We think we have the answers. We think that we can get ourselves out of the mess we're in or accomplish what we want to accomplish without other people. And the truth is, is we need them. I need them. The second point, the second action, the second commitment is honesty, and that is that they need me. There are people right now in your life and they need you. You say, well, what do they need me for? They need you for a very specific reason. The Bible calls you to this. We see it in Ephesians 4.15. It says, we will speak the truth in love, meaning we, the church, we will do this for each other. But speak the truth in love does not just mean you go around telling everybody your opinion about everything. Right? We got enough of that going on, by the way. Speak the truth in love means this. What does it look like to speak the truth in love? Growing in every way more and more like Christ. You know you are speaking the truth in love into people's lives when they are growing more and more like Christ. That's what speaking the truth in love means. And we have to be honest with people, just as we need people to be honest with me. But if we're going to get to that place where we live in community, where we build up, fire up, hold up, where we inspire, motivate, and encourage one another, we have to be humble enough to say, I need people. And then we have to be honest enough to say, they need me. 
The third thing that we need is this thing called love. Whenever I say love, I want you to think of the phrase, we need God. Yes, I need them. Yes, they need me. But we together, we need God. God is the source of all love. Not just the source of all love. God is the one who created the whole concept of love. So if you want to know what real love is like, you have to go to this loving God to get the definition. 1 Peter 2.17 says, respect everyone, yes, every single one, and love the family of believers. There's a certain kind of deep love that we have for one another. And this deep love comes whenever, it can only come from God. And God is the one that holds us together because of this love. And if you think about it, it's really only the love of God that holds any community together. Whether you're a Sunday school class, a small group, or whatever it may be, a church. I mean, and I know that things shift over time. I get all of that. There are natural transitions. There are necessary endings to things. I get all that. But when it comes to holding us together through the tough times, it really only happens through God's love. Because you know what we do. We fuss, we fight, we disagree, and then we flee. And we do it all the time. We fuss, we fight, we disagree, and then we flee. And it's only God's love that can bind us together, that can hold us together. So it starts with, I need them. It goes to, they need me, but it, it also goes to, we need God. But number four is this, is frequency. By frequency, think of the phrase, we need each other and God consistently. Consistently. I need them. They need me. We need God, but we need each other and God consistently in our life. That famous passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. One of the points that the writer of Hebrews is making here is that constant closeness will create constant encouragement, which will help us constantly follow the Savior. The, more, the closer we are in proximity, over and over throughout time, we encourage each other in our faith, and we push each other forward. We motivate and inspire and encourage each other to keep following this Jesus. Now, you may say, why is that even important? Why is that important? You say, why do we do things like Sunday school classes? Why do we do things like small groups? Why do we do things like home groups? You can call them whatever you want to. We try to get people together in community. Why do we gather as a big community on Sunday morning? There are many reasons for that and the reasons why they are important. And to answer it this morning, I want to go to Exodus 17. We're going to pick up the story in verse 8. It says this, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men and go out and fight the army of Amalek for us tomorrow. Or for us. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Verse 10. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Verse 12, Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on, and they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands so that his hands held steady until sunset. As a result... Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Right here we see five lessons about why we 
need community. Why it's absolutely essential that we live in community with other people. Go back to verse 8. It says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Point number one this morning is this, is that we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. Listen, if you don't think you're in a spiritual battle, you're probably losing the battle. Yes? We are in a spiritual battle, and that spiritual battle plays itself out in so many different ways. Sometimes it's personal. It's like one-on-one. Sometimes it's corporate or systemic. It's like with groups of people. But we are in a spiritual battle, and that spiritual battle is played out relationally because we have this relational God who created this relational world. And so we live in relationships with other human beings, and most of the time that is where that spiritual battle is felt and where it is played out. And you know that you're in a battle whenever you have all those negative thoughts and feelings uh, toward maybe yourself or maybe toward another person. Those negative thoughts and feelings, they're a trigger to let you know that you're under a spiritual attack or that something is going on in your life. A battle is coming. And I know that most of the time we would prefer, we would prefer to live battle-free, right? We would prefer to avoid battles in life, to avoid conflict in life. I'm sorry, that's just not an option. It's just not an option. Even though we have a relational God who created us to live in this relational world in relationship with one another, the problem is we live in a sin-saturated world. I don't know if you noticed it or not. Yeah? And when sin is a part of the equation, there's always going to be battles. There's going to be conflict. And the question is not, will you live life and will there be conflict? Will there be spiritual battles that you have to face? The question is, how are you going to handle them? That's the question. You can spend the rest of your life trying to avoid battles. I'm sorry, you're just going to spend the rest of your life on the run. Running from God and running from people. We have to fight these battles. The question is, how are you going to go about fighting them? So point number one is, we are in a spiritual battle. The text goes on, though, in verse 9 says, Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men. Notice that phrase, some men. We'll come back to that. Choose some men and go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Yes, we are in a spiritual battle. We are. We're in a spiritual battle. But point number two is that God has equipped us. He's given us what we need for this battle. He's given us what we need for this battle. Notice that Moses says, tomorrow I'm going to go go up the hill. I'm going to stand there with a staff of God in my hand. It's not Moses' staff because it's not Moses' power. It's not your power. It's not my power. This is God's power. You see, the staff in Scripture, it represents a few different things. But one of the things it represents is the power and authority of God in your life. And so Moses is going up onto the mountain to hold the staff of God, which people have heard about, up in the air. As long as he holds it up in the air, Israel is going to win, and they're going to know it was their God who gave them the victory. And so he knows, if I stand up there and if I hold this in the air, we are going to win. But this staff represents the power of God in your life. And you have a staff today. You may not walk around with one of these, although if you would like to, I'll follow you around Walmart and see if people make fun of you. But, but you have a staff. You have power and authority placed in you by the power of the Holy Spirit that can break the power of the things that in your life. You have the staff of forgiveness that can break the power of bitterness in your life. You have the staff of humility that can break the power of narcissism and self-centeredness that plagues our world, much less the church today. You have the power and authority over that. God has given that to you. You have the staff of eternal joy that can break earthly depression. 
You have the staff of love that leads you into community with people instead of living your life in isolation and separation. God has given you the authority. He's given you the power by the Holy Spirit. You have the staff of God in your hands. Mark chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Jesus calls his disciples together and he says, Hey boys, come here. And he says, I'm going to give you the authority to cast out unclean spirits. And they say, cool. They didn't really say that, but uh, that's what I picture them saying. They say, okay. He goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out two by two. I'm going to send you out. And I don't want you to take anything with you. Nothing. Except a staff. They know what this represents. They know Moses' story. They know that this represents the power and authority of God. And he says, I want you to take this in your hand as a reminder that you walk in my power and you walk in my authority. You say, yes, we are in a spiritual battle, absolutely. However, however, God has equipped you to play your role in this spiritual battle that we are all in. We are all in it. Point, well, verse number 10, the story goes on. It says, so Joshua did what Moses had commanded, and he fought the army of Amalek. It says, meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And again, as long as Moses held, his, held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites gained the advantage. I want you to notice something that's going on here in this text. Notice what's happening. Notice, and this is point number three. Notice that everyone has a role in this battle. Yes, we are in a spiritual battle, absolutely. But yes, God has equipped each of us individually for our role in this battle as we serve the whole. Everyone has a role here. Notice that Moses, Aaron, and Ur, their, their job is to go up the mountain. This is his one job, go up the mountain. Hold the staff of God in the air so that people know that it's God's victory. And Aaron and Ur are there to support him. Notice that Joshua had a role. His, jo his role was to choose some men, not all the men, choose some men, and then lead them into the battle. Some of the men's role was to stay behind and protect the women and children. The women and children also had a role. Anytime your husbands and fathers and loved ones are going off to battle, what do you do? You pray. Everybody here has a role in this battle. Everybody has a role. And our job is to know our role as you live life in a Sunday school class or a small group or a group or a home group, call it whatever you want to, as you live life in community with other people, as we live life as, as a community, as a church here, we all have to know our role, and then we have to live into that role. If you don't know your role and live into that role, you're just going to spend your life wanting somebody else's role. What would happen if uh, right before they're about to go out, what if someone came up and said, Mo, Mo, can we talk? Listen, I've been praying about this. And, um, you know, I really think, I really, this is a calling, Mo. I really think I should lead the army in battle, not Joshua. <clears throat> Mo, I hate to point this out, but I have more experience than him. What if someone came up and said, Mo, Mo, before we go out, listen, I know that you wanted me to, you know, go protect the women and children. Don't get me wrong, I think they're important too. 
But I really think my place is with you up on the mountain. I mean, I could be good prayer support for you. What if someone came up and said, Hey, Josh, could we talk? Josh, listen, I know that you, um, I know you put me on like line three for this battle. I get that. It's a really good place. But, you know, I'm more of a frontline guy, you know? Or what if someone came up and said, Mo, Josh, can I talk to both of you? Listen, we've been talking by the water cooler over by the camel. And we're just, re- you know, I, this could be the Lord. We're just really not sure about this plan. Notice nobody's doing that. Nobody's doing that. Everyone has a role. Everyone knows their role. Everyone. And every single role is important. It's so important. And so many times what happens is when we do not know our role, when we, don't, when we do not know what God has placed in our hand, we spend our life wanting somebody else's role, but no one is playing that game here because they know their role. We're in a spiritual battle, a spiritual battle. God has equipped each of us uniquely for that battle, and it's going to serve the whole because everybody has a role in the battle. But then something happens in verse 12. In verse 12, it says, Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. Point number four is this. Point number four is that, yes, we're in a spiritual battle. God has equipped us for this battle. Everyone has a role in the battle. But point number four is that everyone gets tired in the battle. That's why we have to build each other up and fire each other up and hold each other up. Some of you, you, right now, you're tired of the battle that you're in. It may be a battle personally with an individual one-on-one. It may be a systemic or corporate battle, sure, with a whole group of people. You may be absolutely tired of this COVID battle that we're all in. You may be tired of the denominational battle that we're all in. I get it. We all get tired of the battles, don't we? We all get tired. The question is, who will we be when we feel fatigued? What will we do? When you get tired in the battle, you can take your staff and you can hand it to someone else and say, you can have it. You can have it. You can lay it down. You can throw it down and just try to walk away from the battle. All you're going to do is find yourself in another battle not too far down the road. But notice what Moses does here. Moses is so tired, he cannot hold his arms in the air. And Moses makes a few very strategic decisions. Moses, in his mind, he says, you know what? I need them. I need Aaron. I need her. I need them. And you know what? They need me. Not only them, the the warriors, they need me to keep the staff of God in the air so that God can win this victory. And not only that, we need God. We need God. And not only that, we need each other and we need God consistently with the setting of the sun so that we can win this battle. That's the decision that Moses makes. I mean, get the, understand the context here. Moses comes to this decision that I need them, they need me, we need God, we need God in each other consistently right here because he is failing. Do you see that? It's not that he's getting it right. No, he's failing. He cannot hold his arms in the air. He cannot do it. He's failing. Let me say a word about failure. Normally what happens when it comes to failure, if you have a personal failure in your life, normally you either do one of two things. Either, number one, you beat yourself up for a very long period of time, or number two, and most likely, you let yourself off the hook really, really fast. Right? 
When someone else fails in life, what we do is if we dislike that person, we do what a good Southern Christian does, and that is you know, really put them down and talk about them behind their back. Or if we like them, oh, you know you do. Don't act holy. All right? <clears throat> Whatever. All right. Or if we really like them, we, we tend to make excuses for them and let them off the hook pretty quick. Right? That's what we do. That's what we do. Notice what's not happening in this text. Moses is exhausted. Notice that, Moses, uh, that Aaron and Ur, they're not sitting there going, Moses, come on, man. You got one job, bro. Just one. Keep your hands in the air. If you don't keep your hands in the air, we're not going to win the battle. They don't say that. They don't say that. Notice that Moses is not sitting here going, Aaron and Hur, you never help me. You're never there for me when I need you. <laughs> we say this all the time, by the way. No, this is not what they're saying. Notice what they do. They come together in this moment when, they're, when Moses is exhausted. Listen, when you're in a battle, you don't have time for a pity party. You have to come together. You have to rally together for a victory. Moses is tired. He can't hold his hands in the air. It says, so Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then, get the picture, they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands, with the staff of God in his hands, were steady until the going down of the sun. They rallied together in this moment. They realized they were in a battle. They understood that God had equipped them for this battle. Everyone understood their role in this battle, and they understood that sometimes we get tired, but we're there for each other. Point number five is this is that we have to see that we depend on each other for success in our battles. Verse 13, it says, as a result, because Aaron and Hur came alongside Moses in this strategic and important moment, as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Listen, I get it. Community is messy. Being in a group is messy. Being in a church is messy. Being around any other group of sinners, it's messy. We hurt people, people hurt us. We disagree with people, people disagree with us. We make other people mad, they make us mad. We like certain people, sometimes they don't like us. It's messy and it's completely worth it. Completely worth it. Because there's no other way to win the battle. The battle's too big. For just one person. You do know that most of the things that we disagree about and get upset about on earth won't even exist in heaven, right? But you know who will be there? The people you're sitting beside right now. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're called to come together, to rally together as we go through these battles in life and be there for each other. Is it messy? Yes, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And I believe that community is our priority because the battle is real and it cannot be won by one. Cannot. You cannot do it on your own. I was thinking about this this week and I want you to get this. Just like Moses went up a mountain, so did Jesus. Just like Moses stretched out his arms, so did Jesus. The difference was that 
Jesus didn't get to hold a staff in his hand. He was nailed to it. We just call it a cross. And Jesus had someone on his right and someone on his left. But you know what? They couldn't reach out and support him. They couldn't help him in any way. And in that moment, Jesus experienced the isolation and the separation from community that we deserve so that we could live together as a community, the community he died for. And so let us not waste that opportunity. Let us not waste this moment that we have to come together. Again, whether it is a Sunday school class, a group, or even the larger community of the church. Because Jesus died so you could be here. He died so you could be connected. It's messy, it's messy, it's messy. I get it, I get it. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And then generation after generation, we pass on this message. You can't do it, but when you get with God's people and the Holy Spirit is involved, you can. That's why we do Sunday school classes. That's why we do small groups. That's why we do home groups. That's why we gather. Because community is a priority. Because the battle is real. And it's too big to be won by just one. Amen? Amen. So, Father, I pray that we would see that we need each other. I pray that we would see that we need you. I would pray that we would see that we would need each other and you consistently in our life. Father, we know that we're in a spiritual battle. We're very much aware of that. And we know this battle is too big for just one of us. But God, I thank you because you've equipped us for this battle. You've given every person a role in this battle. And when we get tired, Lord, you give us the gift of community to support each other and hold each other up. And so I pray for each and every person who's here right now. And Lord, they're just exhausted. They can't hold their hands up in the air anymore. I pray that people would come around them and lift. Lord, I pray for the people who are in the room. They, they, they're not tired at this moment. I pray they would look around them, find somebody they can take a right arm or a left arm and just raise in the air. Lord, you created us to live in this beautiful mess called the church, called community. May we not just get mad and throw our staff down and walk away. But may we rally. Because you are the one that gives the victory. Let it be so in this place, in Jesus' name. And everybody said...